Welcome to the Resilient Rainer, the premier podcast focused on mental performance for equestrians and improved horse show performance. Whether you're a rookie rainer or a seasoned competitor, this show is for riders who want to take their skills to the next level and achieve their full potential in the show ring. I'm Nicole Burnett, and I'm a master mindset coach who's obsessed with helping you achieve all those horse dreams you always thought were impossible. Join me each week to develop a show-ready mindset and gain the competitive edge you need to compete with confidence. Welcome back, high performers. I know that as athletes, you already understand the rigor of physical training. You understand the discipline of mental preparation. And I know you understand the thrill of competition. Today's podcast episode, I wanted to come on and share about a recent experience that I've had because this whole podcast and everything I do here with the Resilient Rainer podcast, the Resilient Rainer newsletter, and within my paid coaching programs, Mental Gym for Equestrians, this is all about mental preparation because our mind is the muscle that controls everything. It's our mind that tells our body what to do physically. It is the silent force multiplier of everything we do and the number one way to level up your riding. Even when that is my area of expertise and an area that I'm highly aware of, there are still aspects within mental preparation that can be overlooked. There are still aspects within that mental training that we can dismiss and think aren't as relevant or aren't as important. And I really wanted to get into one that I think I found myself falling prey to overlooking a little bit recently. And so I really wanted to highlight this particular aspect of mental preparation that is often overlooked, and yet it is absolutely as vital as any other part of your training regimen in and out of the saddle. What I'm talking about is the immense power and effectiveness of social support. This is truly the unsung hero of mental toughness. The story that I can tell you here is that within the last year, my husband got laid off. And as you can imagine, that can be a little bit of a hard time for a family to go through and to experience a job loss and a job change. And even when it's totally normal, because as a tech worker, there's a massive amount of change in that industry, massive layoffs at the company. It's just a natural part of change in the industry and growth in the career. And basically, it's not a big deal. It's still something that involves change for him and for us as a family. And that can be uncomfortable, right? Change, even when it's a good change, is usually kind of uncomfortable. And there are times where one of the biggest things that I wanted to do and that I needed to do for me personally was just talk to my friends, talk to my family. So I would spend time on the phone talking to my friends. I would be talking to my mom, just very normal things where it's just talking to people who love me and who care about me using that connection to love and encourage each other. 
And it's so interesting because I realized that internally, I was beating myself up for doing it wrong. I was thinking in my mind, oh goodness, I'm a mental performance coach. I know what I should be doing right now. I should be meditating more. I should be exercising more. I should be journaling and I should be doing these things. I was really giving myself internally a hard time about this, a hard time that when I had a free moment, instead of doing these other things, I was choosing to reach out to friends and family. And it took me a while to realize this. And I thought that is so fascinating, isn't it? I'm sure that you can relate to yourself in your own life, that there's a time when you go through something and you're having a hard go because that's a part of life, right? It ebbs, it flows, there's ups, there's downs. That is a normal and expected part of life. Do you ever beat yourself up in that moment for how you're handling it? I know that when we think about mental toughness, right? It's really normal to have these images of solitary resilience spring to mind. Honestly, when I teach these things, I do definitely highlight things that you can do solo. You don't need anybody else to reach into your heart and think of things that you are truly grateful for. That's a solo practice, for example. Visualizing your run. That's something that you do by yourself. Nobody can visualize your run for you, all right? So a lot of these tools that I personally practice and that I teach to my clients, these are tools that you can do alone. And honestly, I do like to highlight that it's really amazing that these are tools that you can use alone because when you're at a horse show, for better or for worse, other people have lives, okay? And so your trainer, maybe they have to go watch another client compete in the ring or maybe they're about to compete. Maybe your spouse or your parents they can't take your phone call when you need it and you really want that hug, right? And so it doesn't mean they don't love you. It means that sometimes people can't take your call exactly at that moment when you really wish they would. What can you do for yourself to handle your big feelings, to handle managing all of the feelings and the stress and the emotions that come with riding and competition? So it's really valuable to be able to have tools that you can use for yourself by yourself. And true grit is never about just standing alone. It is absolutely important to know when to lean on others. This social support, whether this is from family, from friends, from coaches, mentors, this isn't just a nice to have. This is absolutely a part of the bedrock upon having an unshakable mindset. If you want to get into the science of it, There are countless studies that show that individuals with strong social support, they have better mental health, they have higher levels of resilience, and they're going to have improved performance. This is absolutely backed by science. Being connected helps us to cope with stress, to overcome challenges, and achieve higher It's so interesting because I think we really can fall into this trap that thinking that creating a robust support network, maybe that means that we're relinquishing our toughness. Like, oh, maybe I'm not as tough as I thought if I really need to sometimes lean on a friend. But 
That is absolutely a myth. You are fortifying your mental toughness by building yourself a support network. So recently we finished up the free training that I do where it's focused on building unshakable confidence. So if you haven't participated, join. It's really fun. The folks are great. I go through so much material to give you free resources to get you started building your own unshakable confidence. And as part of that, I did have a VIP group and I delivered this masterclass on imposter syndrome. As I was preparing for the masterclass in imposter syndrome, so I'm going over all of the material. I mean, I can literally talk about this stuff all day and beyond. I'm going through the material, preparing, deciding what I want to include, what do I want to share, what do I want to teach. And let me tell you, you're not alone in feeling imposter syndrome. Actually, depending on the study, 70 to 80% of people experience these imposter syndrome feelings and going through exactly what it is, what are the roots of this, where does it come from, what are these different types of imposter syndrome that come up. Because as you might imagine, as humans, we don't all experience this in the same way. And if this is interesting to you, let me know because I had so much fun putting together this material and delivering it that I really am thinking about either releasing this as a masterclass that is delivered more broadly or putting it together as a mini course. So if this is interesting to you, send me a message, leave a comment because I really feel like this is so powerful and I really want to get it out to you guys. So let me know. And then of course, I went into different ways about How do we, okay, what do we do? How do we rewire our brain? Because so much of imposter syndrome is really rooted in our brains, rooted in our neural wiring. This is very part and parcel, the bread and butter of what I do in mental gym, which is getting into our brains and how do we think about things? How are we wired? What are the, the ways that we're thinking and feeling about life and how do we make that more effective for us? As I'm preparing for this imposter syndrome masterclass, one of the strategies was I'm going through different ways that we can utilize to regulate our nervous system. And one of the ways is connection and social support. As I was doing this, it really felt like I was getting kind of gobsmacked (laughs) with my own material. And it's so fascinating because I was like, oh my gosh, I've been... 110% dismissing this valuable strategy that I'm about to teach and promote to others in my own life. I thought, yep. And this is why we are always practicing and always utilizing things because it is so powerful to regulate your nervous system through the power of social support, feeling loved, feeling connected and safe. And the most basic example of this would be with a baby, with a very young child. When my kids were born, I remember learning about this co-regulation because when a child is born, when they're an infant, a lot of their, pretty much all of their systems are underdeveloped. What that means is that babies learn to self-regulate by first co-regulating with other people. So when the parent is holding their baby, it helps the baby to regulate their heart, to regulate their nervous system, to regulate their breathing. All of the baby's systems will be better regulated 
through the adult. And this is even more basic than emotional regulation with the primary caregiver because when the baby is upset, they really depend on their that primary caregiver to help them to cope and restore the emotional balance. They're crying, for example, right? And so the baby learns how to communicate. They learn how to manage their feelings based on their caregiver's responses to these emotions. So you use that external support is a scaffold for the baby and the kid to learn how to develop their own ability to deal with emotional distress. At a very basic level, you could think of co-regulation of a parent and child. It's like teaching your kid how to ride a bike. In the beginning, your young child, they just sit there while you as the parent you're doing all the work holding up the bike and you're pushing the bike forward. But then as your child gets used to balancing on the bike, they start pedaling, they start balancing on their own. And then at some point, you as the parent, you let go of the bike and then they're bicycling all by themselves. But in the beginning, holding the bike up can be really an essential part of the kid learning how to ride the bike. If the parent wasn't there, the child's probably going to fall and get hurt and they might give up because it's just too much. If you see this bicycle and you're like, oh, go ride your bike, but you don't even know where to get started. You're not sure what to do. You might come up with some non-helpful or maladaptive coping strategies. You might start to suppress all your emotions. You might get angry and start having these outbursts of aggression. So these are all part of the process. It literally starts with an infant where you're helping them regulate their literal physical body with breathing, heart rate, nervous system, all of that. When you hold them as a baby, you help soothe them and you help teach them how to regulate their emotions. And there's so much emotional coaching and co-regulation with small children. It's so fascinating because as an adult, you're the role model for your child on how do you control your emotion. I don't know if you've ever been around a baby or a child, but it can be very difficult, very challenging to deal with a screaming, irrational child when they are having an episode. This is such great practice to calm my nervous system, but it's all the same things, right? Taking deep breaths, clearing your mind, positive self-talk, being mindful of your own state and staying in the present moment. I think that there's this assumption that as adults, we should be 100% masters of ourselves that like, well, maybe it's fine to help out my five-year-old because they're still a kid, right? But I'm a grown-up. I am thoroughly, I don't know, middle-aged or I am definitely a grown-up. I shouldn't need to have social support. And so it's fascinating that even though this co-regulation is still really valuable as an adult that we really want to dismiss it. I've really run into that a lot because I'll even run into it in myself. But this is basically, it's just a process between two people and the idea is to manage just these immediate in the moment emotions. And you're saying essentially one person's nervous system, hopefully they're the calmer one. It's helping to calm the other person's nervous system. If we want to get down in the nitty gritty here, this is whether you're talking about your kid or you with a trusted adult, the mirror neurons in your brain get activated. And so if you're anxious, you're feeling stress, those when those mirror neurons in your brain are activated, it allows you to literally mirror your partner's calmness. 
Okay. If you've got a big run that you have to give, you might be in that fight or flight state. But when you regulate and you co-regulate with someone who is more grounded, you can get to a more regulated state quicker. It's really very simple. These are things like maybe you hold hands and breathe together. You might sit face to face. I don't know if you guys heard about this when it came out a few years ago, but literally sitting face to face and putting a hand on each other's hearts while breathing and having that regulated person, they can remind you that you're safe by repeating it out loud, taking a walk in nature together. And there's just so many different ways that we can use to regulate our nervous systems when we are in a dysregulated state. This is a really powerful strategy, and it was fascinating to me that I caught myself dismissing it as not as valid as the others, dismissing it because it meant that I was relying on someone else, and therefore I wasn't as mentally strong. Why can't I do this for myself? And I had to really remind myself, no, no, research literally shows this is a super effective strategy. It is valuable. It's a part of the toolbox because One of the things that I've really learned through my own personal experience, it's part of the reason why when I work with clients in the mental gym is that I teach a wide variety of strategies. We go through a ton of different breathing techniques, a ton of different strategies for handling stress, self-regulation, focus, confidence, all this is that I like to attack it from a ton of different angles because in real life, what happens is that You need to have an entire toolbox is really how I view it of tools, because I'm sure you've heard that phrase that when all you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail, right? So in this situation, when we're talking about mental performance, we're talking about staying focused and getting in peak performance and having a good time at a horse show or just riding our horses and making consistent progress in our training that it's easy to think that there's only one thing that's going to help us. And we might have our favorites. I know I have my favorites and you probably will too. At any given moment, not every tool is going to be the most appropriate thing. Let's say I love to journal, but when I'm getting ready to enter the show arena, that's not really a great time to bust out my journal and start dealing with my feelings. That's just not an appropriate utilization of that tool in that scenario. It doesn't mean it's not a valuable tool. It doesn't mean it's not highly impactful, effective, and absolutely needs to be part of a broader strategy. But it means that when I'm getting ready to walk in the pen, not the right time. There are other things that might be more valuable in that moment, like particularly breathing techniques or gratitude. When it comes to the social support, It was so funny that I really totally caught myself saying this wasn't as valuable instead of saying, ah, this is the appropriate time. I'm having some big feelings. There's a lot of stuff that maybe right now, this is the most appropriate tool for this scenario. And so I really hope that one of the things you take away from this episode is that we go over a variety of techniques. There's not one thing that's going to guarantee mental performance. You're absolutely going to have your favorites and hallelujah, that's wonderful. And don't feel bad when different tools are more or less appropriate for different situations. That's the whole point of having a wide variety of tools in our toolbox. Connection, social support. This is absolutely a part of mental performance. This is absolutely 
a part of becoming mentally tough, being focused in the moment, all of this, because it's all about learning to regulate ourselves. And if we can use someone who loves us and supports us, not in a using them kind of way, but in a, we would absolutely do the same thing for them if they asked, it's okay to do that. It's okay to use, it's okay to use all of the different tools you have at your disposal. Because the more we can regulate ourselves, get back to a regulated nervous system quicker, then the more effectively you're just going to feel better. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good, right? Nobody wants to go around feeling sad and depressed and impotent all day long. Feel your feelings, but we don't want to stay there, you know? And so the more you can use these as tools to feel your feelings, process them, and keep going on your path through life, that's wonderful. In many ways, that's kind of the entire point. We're not trying to avoid those feelings, but like I said, we don't want to get stuck there. So don't be afraid. Be grateful for your friendships. Be grateful for your family. Be grateful for people who are willing to talk with you and sit in the discomfort of an uncomfortable situation or an uncomfortable feeling with you. Be grateful for that moment of I feel seen. I feel heard. I'm so grateful that someone was willing to listen to me and provide me love and support in this moment. It's so fascinating because it also made me really think about, I'm sure you guys have heard that thing where it's usually presented typically in terms of a gender divide, how men want to fix things and women just want to like talk about things, but it's really about providing empathy and that you've got to have the empathy before you can move into solution mode. I really, really see that and acknowledge that because that was what I was feeling in that moment. And it really highlighted that for me where it's about when you're having a hard moment, you want someone to see you and acknowledge you and validate, gosh, that sounds like a really hard time. Or I can't imagine what you're going through, but that sounds really difficult. I'm here. I love you. I support you. And you're doing the best you can. When you're able to receive that empathy, it really allows you to move into that solution mode so much faster, which is fascinating, really. Whether that is with a hard thing you're going through in your life, the fact that you just blew a run and you want someone to acknowledge you and see you um, and be like, yep, that was really hard because it doesn't take a lot. It's, I think it's interesting. We often know the solutions to our problems. If you go in there and you just blew a lead change or you overshot that barrel, you, you know roughly what you need to do but it's still really nice to have someone just acknowledge you and validate your feelings of how frustrating that would be. Then you move on to dealing with it, right? So do not be afraid of this aspect of mental performance, that social support, community, your friends, your family, that this is absolutely a valuable tool and a valuable pillar in developing your own mental toughness and developing peak performance, because it all comes back to, can we be fully in the moment? Can we regulate our nervous systems? All of this is tied together. And this is a valuable tool that helps you do that. I really hope that this reached the person it needed to reach. (laughs) And if it did, please, I would really appreciate if you just went down below and left a rated this podcast, go ahead and give it five stars, leave a little comment. I really love to hear from you. And thank you so much, guys. I love our weekly talks and I can't wait to talk again next week. All right, see you later.